0: Obey them that have the rule over you. Submit unto them, for they watch in behalf of your souls, that they may do so with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. That's what the Hebrew writer said about those who serve as our shepherds, as our overseers, as our elders. They are there for the very purpose of making sure that we make it from here on earth to heaven. It is their goal, it is their desire to spiritually shepherd this congregation. Several weeks ago, the elders asked me if I would preach a lesson on modesty. And I said I would be glad to do that. And this morning, I want to focus your attention for a few moments In that regard, I want to begin with something that's very current in the news. A couple of months ago, the school in Utah released its annual school yearbook, and when they did, a number of those young ladies who were in that yearbook were incredibly upset because those who were in charge of providing the photographs had already warned the students that they ought to wear modest clothing. And when they got their yearbook, many of the young ladies had their photos photoshopped to cover up and to provide some covering where they needed it. A number of people have been outraged because of that. In their minds, that was just not right to be done. Because in our society today, we don't want anyone telling us how to live our lives and what we ought to do. I know up front, some of you are not going to like me after I finish this lesson. But that's okay. I am a servant of the Lord and I am supposed to do what the Lord tells me to do through His Word. And you know, when Paul had to make some very strong statements to the Galatians, he asked them a question. Have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? But you know, I am also persuaded that at heart, those people in this congregation of which I know, many times all you need is someone to remind you, this is what God's Word says. And when you do, you'll conform your life to it. In Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 9, Solomon said, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. If you're a good and a just person, I believe that you can conform your life and will conform your life to what the Bible teaches. I'm probably going to be embarrassing here a little bit. What if I were to put on screen some of the photos the members here have posted on Facebook? What if I were to put them on the screen behind me for everybody to see? Would you be ashamed? Would you be embarrassed? I will tell you, some of you should be. I know that's going to be hard to hear. Number two... Would they offend? And I know when I use the word offend, some people's mind immediately thinks, well, there's a bunch of old prudes who think that you ought to wear your dresses down to where they touch the ground, and maybe you ought to wear a burqa like they wear in some of those countries. No, I'm not talking about upsetting people. I'm talking about the way the word offend is used in the Bible. In the book of Romans chapter 14 and verse 21, Paul writes, It is good neither to eat meat, nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or made weak. The word offend, as it appears in the Bible, means to cause somebody to stumble, make somebody to fall. If I were to take your photograph and put it on the screen Would it possibly cause someone not to be offended in the sense that I don't like it, but to be tempted to sin? Something to think about. We live in a society that says, no one can tell me what I ought to wear. Well, I will tell you there are people that will do that. When you go to work, there are going to be some businesses that are going to say, if you're going to work here, you're going to wear this type of clothing. You don't wear it, you don't work here. You go to school, some of the schools will say, you will not wear this or you will not wear that. I notice the Warren County School System has a, a dress code. You know where one of the most strict dress codes are to be found? Visiting prisons. I think it's amazing that many times prisons have a stricter dress code than what Christians do. Modern culture believes there are no standards. They believe that our culture today is so sophisticated that there's nothing that you should say is immoral or immodest. And we are bombarded with immodest apparel, immodest dress, everywhere we turn. You can't escape it. I want to ask the question, what are you wearing? And I want to ask two perspectives from that. Is it modest? And number two, is it appropriate? Let's begin at the beginning. If you want to open your Bibles, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 2. And there's going to be a word that is used there to describe Adam and Eve. They're going to be described as being naked. It comes from the Hebrew word, iram, which means bareness or exposure, to expose oneself. And if you find in Genesis 2 and verse 25, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. That means that Adam and Eve, just like every baby that is born, was born with no clothes on. Here they were, created by God, and they had absolutely no clothing on whatsoever. They were bare. They were exposed. When I come to chapter 3, I learn something, however. I learn that Adam and Eve recognize now that they are naked and bare. You know, just like a little child, many times a little child will after they start being able to walk and things such as that, we'll take our clothes off and go running through the house. They don't realize they're naked. They don't recognize any shame. They have not come to the knowledge of good and evil. Notice Genesis chapter three, verse seven. The eyes of both of them were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And then you drop down to verses 10 and 11. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, that is God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? When Adam and Eve learned the difference between good and evil. They learned the difference between being naked and being clothed. And they made an attempt to cover their nakedness. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21, God didn't think that their fig leaves were appropriate clothing. And so we read, Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin, and he clothed them. God saw that they had clothing provided. I think it's worth spending some time as we go through the Bible and look and see how this is used so that we can understand what it means and how it should be applied. It cannot be, as many allege, that culture defines modesty. For instance... People would say, now you know the kind of clothing that people wear today would have been considered immodest by two or three generations ago. And so in every generation, the culture defines modesty. After all, that's the way the Supreme Court views it. Well, Adam and Eve were naked before there was any culture. God designed that. They were naked even before they knew it. Because God designed that. In Exodus 28 and verse 42. Talking about the priest who were going to go up on the altar. He said, and you shall make for them linen trousers to cover their nakedness. They shall reach from their waist to their thighs. Yes, this is talking about men. We often speak in terms of modesty and we think in terms of women but these are the priests and God said they would have their linen trousers from their waist to their thighs to cover them in Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 7 and also chapter 23 and verse 21 he speaks figuratively of Judah but I want you to know the way he phrases it I made you thrive like a plant in the field. And you grew and matured and became very beautiful. Your breasts were formed. Your hair grew, but you were naked and bare. Verse 21 of chapter 23. Thus you shall call to remembrance the lewdness of your youth. When the Egyptians pressed your bosom because of your youthful breast. What that tells me is with regards to women, there was to be the covering there, and that was their nakedness being exposed. You see, as Brother Shannon read from Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, he says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. What did it do? Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly In this present age, God's word instructs us to reject all of this worldly lust, to live godly lives. We do know that some dress is provocative. That people can put on some dress that invites someone to look to lust. It invites a person to think Maybe this person is easy. In Proverbs 7 and verse 10, and there a woman met him with an attire of a harlot and with a crafty heart. You know, many people today consider it to be sexist, and they consider it to be uninformed and some form of bigotry to say this, but many women who have been molested have done so because they've advertised themselves by wearing clothing that says, I'm available. And then when someone does take advantage of them, they protest and say, but I said no. Your attire said yes. People can be provoked to look to lust. When you go to 2 Samuel chapter 11, we learn that David in the spring of the year was on the top of his house. That's the time when people would normally go out to battle. Verse 2, it says, then it happened one evening that David rose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her. And she came to him and he lay with her for she was cleansed from her impurity. And she returned to her house. You see, here's David. He's in a place where he ought not be. You don't excuse what David did. But here's a person who maybe even thought innocently. But the exposure of itself promoted lust. In Matthew 5 and verse 28, But I say to you that whoever looks upon a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You see, if a person's dress is so provocative, it can produce lust in the hearts of other people. But I know some people say, oh, but you just don't understand. There are always people out there, they can just look at a person and be lusting. Whatever sin they commit in their heart is their sin. But whoever of us it is who puts a stumbling block in front of them are also guilty. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8. You talked about eating meat sacrificed to an idol. But the same principle is true. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat things sacrificed to idols or offered to idols? And because of your knowledge, the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. You put yourself out there as an object of lust. And someone does lust after you. You've sinned against them by putting yourself there. In chapter 10, verse 29, you say, conscience? I say not your own, but that of the other. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? I have to not only realize that what I do affects me, But what I do also affects someone else as well. And those principles apply to modesty as well. The truth is godly people dress modestly. In first Timothy chapter two, verse nine and ten, Paul says, In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Women professing godliness dress modestly. But what happens when people do not dress modestly? There are several effects that come from that. Society becomes more tolerant, insensitive to sin. You cannot tell me that we do not live in a world today that is not just totally oblivious to right versus wrong. When Jeremiah wrote his letter, his message from God, his oracle, his burden, He said, were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Nothing embarrassed them anymore. Nothing embarrasses our society anymore. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 19, Therefore this I say and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Now here's the key phrase. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to all lewdness to work uncleanness with greediness. They're past feeling. You put people in society today. How many of you people turn your television on and you see something and it no longer even registers with you that that's immodest? The world has become desensitized to it. Because of that, sexual sins increase. We live in a society just like the first century. Galatians 5.19 talks about the works of the flesh are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11 says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. He goes on to say, shall inherit the kingdom of God. Christians can become hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceitful. We practice it and pretty soon we think it's normal. In Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Our Lord looked forward to the time when the destruction of Jerusalem was about to take place. And He says, And because lawlessness abound, the love of many will grow cold. Do we live in a world today that is so promiscuous that when it comes to the Lord and our love for Him and love for what is right, is not as strong, not as hot as it used to be. Let me tell you how bad it is. Those waiting on the table and those teaching in the Bible classes have complained. You're going to pass the tray to someone at the end of the aisle and a lady leans over to take the tray. And those godly men trying to do the right thing have to turn their head for fear that something's going to be exposed. A man's teaching a Bible class and you can't have the desk facing toward the front because something may be exposed. Brothers and sisters, mamas and daddies, husbands, we need to wake up. And we need to realize that modesty is something that belongs to being a faithful Christian. Let me talk about point number two. Appropriate. A few weeks ago I preached from Malachi chapter 1 and I want you to read with me as we read through Malachi chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 6 through 8. I want to key on this word. It's translated reverence in this passage. The older translations use the word respect. A son honors his father and a servant his master If then I am the Father, where is my honor? And if I am the Master, where is my respect? Says the Lord of hosts to you priests who despise my name. Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on the altar. But say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice... Is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it to your governor. Will he be pleased with you? Or would he be accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts. Notice with me in verse 6. Where's my honor? Where's my reverence? Where's my respect? They were disrespecting God by the sacrifices they were offering. Is that the only way we can show disrespect to God? Does our dress and worship reflect a lack of respect? Does the fact that we come to service and how we are dress reflect any lack of respect for God? Let me ask you a question because I think it's appropriate. Malachi used a question, present those gifts to the governor, would he be accepted? How would one dress if you were being invited, your parent was being invited, your child was being invited to be honored at a state dinner? Does God deserve any less? Three weeks ago, Brother David Sane preached on Sunday evening about improving our worship. One of the most important parts of his lesson was simply this We're in the presence of Almighty God, He's greater than any president that's ever served this country. He's higher than any governor who's ever ruled over our state. He's more prestigious than anyone. He is the only potentate. Do you recognize whom we stand before this morning? That's the reason why I don't tell jokes in worship. That's inappropriate. Because we're here in the presence of the Almighty God. Is my dress appropriate for that? I want to use a second illustration. I want you to go with me to Matthew 22, verses 11 through 13. I recognize that the Lord had a particular purpose for giving this parable, this illustration. I want to borrow parts of it to make a point. But when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, "Friend, how is it that you came in here, or you come in here, without a wedding garment?" And he was speechless. The king said to his servants, "Bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth." He didn't have on a wedding garment. He wasn't dressed appropriate for the occasion. Let me ask you to think for just a moment. How would the bride, and I dare say the mother of the bride, think? How would they react if the preacher, to perform the ceremony, were to show up wearing his work clothes? I worked most of the day yesterday. I wore old pants, had some holes in them, a t-shirt that was stained, and I don't know how old the tennis shoes were. Would it be appropriate if you mothers or maybe you young ladies were to say, we want you to perform our wedding ceremony, and I showed up wearing those kind of clothes. I know what you would think. This is my special day. How dare you disrespect my wedding by wearing old work clothes? You can do better than that. Folks, if you expect that out of the preacher to perform your wedding ceremony, why do we think any less that God would not want us to display the very best that we can when we come in His presence to worship Him. To worship Him. Be honest with yourself. Does my dress reflect a respect for the service that I am in? You want to have a party at your house after services and everybody dressed down? Wonderful, as long as it's modest. But folks, we're in the worship of Almighty God. And sometimes our dress does not reflect the respect that is due to God. Now I want to address one thing. Because I know that there's, in each of these occasions, there's always a... a but you know, I don't have money. To buy good clothes. Nice clothes are sometimes expensive. But I find it all together incredulous that people will say, I don't have money to buy good clothes, but let me show you my new iPhone. I don't have money to buy nice clothes, but I want you to see my new car. Never should we disrespect a person because they're wearing the very best that they have. In fact, James chapter 2 begins with this idea of a person coming into your assembly and he's not wearing the nicest of clothes. Never should we disrespect a person for that. But do we respect God We have better and we don't do better. Christians are to be a pure people with a pure heart. I want you to listen to Psalm chapter 73, verse 1. Truly, God is good to Israel, to such as are of a pure heart. Matthew 5, verse 8 Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And our dress usually does. Reflect what's in our heart. I realize this has not been an evangelistic type lesson. It's been a lesson from the Bible to try to encourage us to dress modestly, to dress appropriately. But if you're here and you're not a Christian and maybe it's been in your heart and in your mind... It's now time for me to make a commitment. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, repent of your sins, confess your faith in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and be baptized. Everything's ready for you this morning. It's your decision. And if you're a Christian and you know you need to correct things in your life, we encourage you to come while we stand, while we sing.